Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Happy election night, everyone. And I just had a long pause because I don't have anything to add on elections whatsoever on this show. Because my opinions on politics is not why you listen. We do have uh, some solid games to get to a chance to lock in only a four game. And I kind of like these Tuesdays early in the season, even if it's not the greatest games in the world, because there are a few games or four of them. So we're able to watch most of all those games. And it's some teams that aren't necessarily that sexy, but those are the teams I think early in the season, it's important to catch up on so that we could then avoid having to watch them when they're tanking later in the year. But two teams that I do not anticipate will be tanking at any point in time this season, Milwaukee and Portland. This is an excellent game just overall in terms of the quality of play. Portland pulled away late to take it 118 103 behind 40 from cj mccollum dame Lillard actually only had 13 in this game but mccollum was on fire torching the bucks in mid-range Giannis paced the bucks with 23 although he didn't do a ton nine of his 11 field goals were dunks though and brooke lopez dropped six three-pointers on his way to 22 points although only three bucks reached double figures so danny where did you want to start on this game what are your takeaways i'd like to point that frank madden made on twitter after the game which is to separate this from milwaukee's loss to the celtics where a game we did for the nba cast where the bucks were just conceding all of these pick and pop threes and then a bunch of a bunch of other open shots and while they do have weaknesses on those shots and also on pull-up threes there were a few of those moments in this game as well generally speaking the trade-off that is central to the Bucks defensive identity is giving up mid-range shots and not giving up shots at the rim ideally not fouling to we'll see how much that continues and generally speaking that's a good trade-off you know that that's the kind of thing that you're looking for because mid-range shots are less valuable than shots at the rim however there will be nights most notably in many ways against teams like the Warriors and the Blazers where giving up a bunch of mid-range shots just due to variance due to everything else can hurt you and Portland has some of the best mid-range shooters in the yeah, entire in particular NBA. McCollum who was eight out of ten for mid-range I, I want to draw a little bit of a line between the Bucks defense in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter because I felt like in the third these were very very easy shots and I think perhaps Stotts came out of halftime saying hey Brooke Lopez especially if you're going to leave him on the floor because Lopez was on fire from three-point range he's going to just lay back in the pick and roll again I mean the Bucks were giving up nothing at the rim uh through most of this game so he said hey we're just going to go to CJ and pick and roll and we're going to have Yusuf Nurkic who sets uh, some of the better screens in the game and then we're just going to get him wide open 17 footers and they got a few of those to start with and while the mid-range shot might not be the greatest shot in the world for a lot of people wide open cj mccollum like he's gonna start to make that hurt you and they also were actually able to get to the rib as well in that third quarter for six out of nine shooting there so it wasn't like they were just 
only getting mid-rangers as we've seen in some other bucks games it was that they're also giving up some plays to Nurkic at the rim and so it seemed a little bit too easy for portland and cj in that third quarter when he dropped 19 of his 40 in the fourth quarter was a little bit of a different story those mid-rangers were largely contested uh and the blazers did put up 27 points in a pretty slow quarter but they went five out of 12 from three and four of four from mid-range and only took one shot at the rim and got to the line twice this game in particular was just an incredibly low free throw game only 16 free throws attempted in the entire game uh and, and the blazers for all the dunks that they gave up to Giannis, they did a good job of not following they only let him get to the line for two attempts and i thought that that was uh, important for them uh yeah oh on that note as of right now milwaukee and portland are two of the four top teams in opponent free throw attempt rate that is not a surprise after watching yeah this game. And, and hanging the big back and pick and roll can also be a good way to avoid giving a pause now both teams usually the blazers in particular are set up to take away the three-point line they were not able to do that against the bucks uh with the bucks getting up 42 three-point attempts but the blazers did them one better with 43 and 17 makes rather than 16 for the bucks it was really a pretty remarkably close statistical game in nearly every metric and yeah this is crazy offensive rebounds turnovers were all within one but the bucks shot 48 percent on twos and the blazers shot 65 percent on twos a lot of it with those mid-range jumpers even evan turner was getting into the act as well uh what else did you have in this one milwaukee's shot chart in this game is really fascinating i mean other than not getting to the free throw line there are some serious if you want to call it mori ball elements of this not only you know they said they got up 42 three-pointers in this game they got another 35 of their shots in the restricted area so 42 35 and then 15 everywhere else and the challenge there is that you have to actually have those shots go in so they shot 60 percent, which is a little bit lower than you'd than you'd expect in the restricted area they also weren't getting to the foul line didn't make many of their shots from floater range to a nine didn't make their mid-rangers like portland was and then you know they shot fine from three i'm not gonna ever you know knock a team for going 16 of 42 but they've overall they posted an offensive rating about 110 and that wasn't enough to win this game with the shots that portland was taking and making yeah i mean for portland to put up a 125 offensive rating on the shot mix that they had it was really really impressive and you know that's just the type of shot making that cj mccollum can do and then evan turner he's been a lot better this year i think uh having him as kind of the captain of the ship on that all second unit lineup late in the first beginning of the second and then again in the second half same time uh has been a better role for him because he can create shots he's not going to be incredibly efficient overall you don't want him taking shots of the hands of cj and dame but he can do enough to kind of run the offense maybe set up their shooters a little bit and get to a mid-ranger if there isn't much else available and today he had 16 points and 11 rebounds four assists uh, and actually played his 32 minutes so he did get some time uh, with the other stars uh and you know he wasn't getting amazing shots but sometimes those are, are going to go in i mean you want to chalk a little bit of this up to make or miss league the math just didn't work out for the bucks this time i agree it wasn't as egregiously bad as the boston game in terms of just how it looked and the way that the scheme was so obviously being exploited but you still wonder now it's it's really weird because the three bucks games that i've watched really locked in on in their entirety has been the three games probably where their defenses looked worse kemba lit them up on opening night 
big surprise pick and roll point guard celtics lit them up although it wasn't really Kyrie in pick and roll that much it was more the horford pick and pop and then the way that the celtics were able to just drive in and then throw it to the weak side for threes so maybe i've caught them in the three worst defensive games their numbers overall still look awesome they're gonna have another really hard test against the warriors we'll see them in person on thursday night and i am a little bit disappointed so far in Giannis' season we talked about this on the 15 and 60 but just the turnovers are up he had six again tonight and other than just kind of either getting out in transition or bludgeoning guys one-on-one and going in for a dunk which obviously is very effective but uh you know he still doesn't seem to have added to his game he tried to change up his shot it looks like now he's just bringing it up even further in front of him uh the jumper looks even more awkward now so i would have thought that he would be powering this surge with another great season. But frankly, I think he played better at the start of last year than he's playing now. A point that I was going to make and then lost track of during the 15 and 60 is that I think one of the takeaways for me, and this is early, I'm not wedded to this forever, but I am thinking it will be the case long term, is that this season has been a reminder of why you want another capable ball handler with Giannis. There had been this interesting idea of, oh man, if you you can give the ball to Giannis all the time, you can get all these like-sized guys, you can do switching and all these other ideas. And in the half court, I think that you need at least one other guy who can do that. And fortunately, those players are available, but there are usually trade-offs with them. So whether that is Eric Bledsoe or Malcolm Brogdon or some third person that we don't yet know about is an open question, but I'm feeling more confident that that is a priority for the Bucks. And when you consider that all of the players that fit the description I just made are pending free agents for them, it's something they have to think about when they're building this team out for the remaining time that they have Giannis under this current contract. Yeah, it's funny that they've started this season so well. And really, you don't think of anyone on this team as an elite talent other than Middleton and Giannis at this point. You know, the rest of these guys kind of seem replaceable, frankly. Uh, and Bledsoe, I predicted he was... Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. They're replaceable, but they're also yeah, capable. Sure, sure. And that, that's, that's a big difference, too. I mean, Ersan Ilyasova yeah. and Brooke Lopez being in their rotation as opposed to some of the absolute direct that they've been putting out there over the last couple of years is a massive, massive change. Yeah, and that's an important point. That's an, that's an interesting place to talk about Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, it's so funny how, for me, everything, and this happens with the other players, it's all flashes or fizzles. Like, you know, like, when you see the confidence that he has on his jump shot, you go, oh man, like, if he can just convert this, maybe it's going to, you know, hopefully it'll go in more than it has so far. But then you also see the, the challenges that he has defensively, and he'll get better, just like anybody else will. And so I'm unsure what his NBA career will hold. There's a lot that I really like there. But and this isn't just CJ McCollum putting him on skates and anything uh, like which that. Which he it's, did. You know, losing guys on possession. Which he oh yeah. Oh yeah, which he did. But it, it's, you know, the possession by possession stuff. And sometimes focusing on, you know, the guy who takes the shot can be misleading because there are other breakdowns in a defense and DiVincenzo is is a part of those, like a lot of young players are. And so I'm not sure how much of an answer he'll be. Certainly intriguing. Happy that he's getting regular rotation minutes. But we'll we'll just have to see with it because he does bring something they need it's just whether he takes too much off the table when we're talking about really good opponents like you just talked about the three games that you've locked in on those were three milwaukee games against full strength opponents that are very very that are capable of attacking what they don't do well so we'll we'll have to see how that works out but i'm excited to at least have that volatility in the rotation and you know they still have all the stuff to figure out with bloodstone broadden and everything else so i think they can be a lot better against elite competition than they've been so far and i mean the if 
they just keep beating the ever-loving crap out of bad teams, their place within the Eastern Conference hierarchy will be fine anyway. Yeah, and they certainly have uh, been doing that. You mentioned DiVincenzo. Uh, CJ had a couple of buckets on him just in straight ISO. And I think I'd like to see CJ get a chance against guys his size or smaller. Uh, almost play kind of more of a Sam Cassell type of game. Use his body, create space. He has that high release. And CJ is such a good shooter that if he can get it off, he's got a pretty damn good chance of making it. A lot of times he'll get the switch and try to go to work against a bigger guy. But because he doesn't really, he's not that quick. And, and we detailed some of his struggles shooting at the rim this year that'll be something to check on for the next 15 and 60 but he was four out of 25 uh as of the first 15 and 60 that we did i think that it's almost better off just saying hey let's put him up against someone where he can get the jumper off against this guy by shooting over the top of him more easily and being as opposed to oh he's got the quickness advantage against this guy but he's got longer arms and can potentially bother cj's shot a, a little more and i think a lot of teams just would be slightly better off letting their smaller guys point guard size guys just go to work against whoever's guarding them uh, if you are going to iso me uh, uh, rather than trying to get a switch necessarily uh, in certain matchups obviously it depends who that point guard is who that big is um a few other notes uh, on this one the blazers actually went to nurkic and collins together for a time at the end of the third as they were building their lead that worked okay you know the bucks don't really go to many small lineups uh then at the start of the fourth i thought this was the time when the bucks really could have broke out they brought Giannis back they had Giannis and middleton out there against that all reserve unit with leonard and collins as the two bigs they scored eight straight points and then i thought the biggest shot of the game was actually myers leonard who had had an atrocious start to the quarter he gives up two wide open threes to Elias over there lucky that one of them didn't miss or, or that that one of them missed i should say he just you know just weird mistakes that leonard made just leaving him wide open he misses an open three he gets thrown a flaming bag at the end of the shot clock goes to the jab step if you're guarding myers leonard at the end of the shot clock i'm not sure why you're falling for a jab step but it was just enough that he was able to get his three-pointer off and make it and then they got a couple more tough evan turner free throw line jumpers mid-rangers and you know just got just enough shot making to hold on until cj was able to come in and the the rest of the starters and maintain the lead and the bucks never really threatened that much i think it got within five at one point i looked it up and per cleaning the glass portland currently has a plus 3.7 net rating with neither willard nor mccollum on the floor which is very good i mean if you could be above water with those two guys off then i mean you hope that you'll be able to beat other teams and something that surprised me is they were actually positive a, a much more slight positive last year they were plus 1.4 yeah. and remarkably because of how they're doing the stagger differently this year they've already played almost yeah. as many possessions without those two this year as they yeah, did last that, year. I, I was interested to hear you say that i figured that was the case because they almost never did that last year but it seems to be working so far Oh, and a point on that. I think that works a lot better in the regular season than it will in the playoffs, but they can break that rotation if they need to, you know, if they're facing better opponents and everything else. Like, just because those lineups will be structured, even if those guys are playing more minutes, just the, the stressors that quality teams put on opponents is very different. Anything else you got on this one? Well, I, I don't think that it was a particularly strong game for either Pat Connaughton or the guy who replaced Pat Connaughton, Jake Lehman. You know, L- Lehman is, is actually sort of replacing Mo Harkless right yeah. now, as Mo Harkless is dealing with the 
injury we talked about. But I think that part of what those teams are, what, what Portland is dealing with is just not having enough quality forwards. I mean, they have a lot of good things on this roster and presumably adding somebody else on that line would be taking somebody away. But I mean, you just, Aminu has to shoulder so much of the burden for what, for doing forward things. I've talked about this for the Lakers in terms of centers that, you know, the, for centers, it's setting screens, protecting the rim. And for forwards, it's, you know, switching a little bit defensively, making sure that you're covering all the seams and battling some of the toughest man-to-man covers. And Aminu is basically their only guy to do all that kind of stuff. Turner can maybe in limited portions do some of it. And that's a challenge. It's, you know, I would argue that it's something they should have been drafting for over the last couple of years. And the other thing I want to mention is that I, I've really enjoyed how capable most of the time Zach Collins looks. This was not necessarily his best game, but, you know, he I think he generally, you know, he moves well on defense. He trusts his jump shot. I mean, he may, only made one of his three three-pointers, but, you know, one out of three is okay, and he's been solid on it overall so far this year. And that will have impacts on Portland's center rotation moving forward. I mean, they have Nurkic on a reasonable contract. They can move him if they feel that Collins ends up being the answer. So, I, again, it's one of those things. I don't have a firm answer yet, but I've liked what I've seen. Yeah, Collins had this really confident drive uh, on Ilyasova where he went to a spin move, drove in from the three-point line, uh, and went in for a layup. And that drive made me think of, of something, which is, you know, we've seen so much more of big guys with the ball in their hands. Blake, your Blake Griffins, although he's certainly a solid ball handler. AD is doing it now. Cousins a lot. Last year, seeing bigs kind of drive in from the three-point line. Um, part of that is just because bigs are more skilled now than they used to be but another part of it is just that there's so much more space on the floor right like it used to be when there wasn't space big guys you try to do that they would just run into guys and commit charges they get the ball stolen by guards but now that those guards are just hugging up against three-point shooters big guys actually have a, a lot more ability to go to work even if maybe you know they kind of get a little tunnel vision and they put their head down and they're not the greatest passers once they put the ball on the floor that doesn't matter as much because there's just more space it's harder for the help to get there especially when you're more worried about threes i mean i think that for some of these guys teams could go with more of an opportunity double because they're just not looking to pass necessarily once they take that first dribble but generally the instructions are hugged to the three-point shooters and if it's someone like zach collins you're like okay we're not helping on zach collins you don't want to open someone up so you can stop zach collins Uh, so i think that's just an interesting trend to see uh especially with guys who are a little bit more limited but still will do stuff off the dribble uh out on the floor more than maybe in past years all right we got some other games to get to but first this from quip she went to my six month checkup today with the dentist and usually that cleaning can be a pretty miserable experience they got to scrape all the tartar off maybe you find a cavity Sometimes your gums might be a little sensitive, but I went in today and it was like really painless. And my dentist, the last couple of times I've come in has actually complimented me. And I told him, yeah, well, it's because I'm using Quip now. It's so much easier to use and it makes sure with their two minute timer with pulses every 30 seconds that remind you when to switch sides that you're doing a better job brushing. It doesn't require a big clunky charger either. So now when I go on vacation, like on my honeymoon, I'm able to just throw it in my dop kit. It's got that AAA battery that lasts for three months. It's just a better electric toothbrush that makes brushing far less of a hassle. I wish this was their slogan. It's not, but it's a funny concept that my sister articulated the idea of sweater teeth when you've got plaque all over your teeth and you can actually feel it. 
with your tongue well you're not going to have that if you can avoid sweater teeth if you have quip the way to get started with them and it is easy to do so considering they started just 25 dollars is at the website getquip.com slash capspace that's g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash capspace and the slash capspace easy to remember because we talk about it all the time on the program so get your first refill pack for free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash capspace i don't know if that's slash capspace url that you came from us all right what delicious matchup should we talk about next year i think we should go to the queen city and charlotte atlanta was i i think the story of this game as it so often is for the hawks is trey young giveth and trey young taketh away <laughs> i mean he in i think it was the third quarter it might have been the second he was just tearing second. up charlotte so was I mean, he was quarter, getting yeah. good shot five second five quarter at the rim he's just tearing up five charlotte five at the rim in the second quarter. yeah and getting all those good looks doing a, a lot of positive offensively on the court and you know in that second quarter they they did outscore charlotte 29 to 28 but young isn't good defensively has a lot of room to go to get decent defensively and that is a problem when you're facing one kemba walker yeah i thought that young i mean you know this is a developmental season for the hawks certainly they won't mind if they get a higher draft pick young had the matchup against kemba walker most of the time they could have maybe said hey trey go guard nick batum or guard lamb although both those guys have size that that could hurt him a little bit uh but there are a few plays where he just totally gave up right i mean and, and plays where the guy kind of made him look bad a little bit you know got a crossover or just wrong footed him slightly but then he just kind of gave up like i don't want to be on the highlight reel or something instead of you know you just have to keep competing in today's day and age as a point guard it's all about yeah you might have got screened off but you're going to keep trying you're going to compete you're going to make it difficult for the guy you're going to fix it so at the very least yeah you might have space right now but you're going to recover because and that and allow your big man to help and then recover himself and i thought that trey really did not do a good job of that there are just a couple of specific highlights where he just completely deactivated after the initial move uh even in a one-on-one situation which was a little disheartening uh i mean and you know atlanta they started trey young kevin herter and amari spellman at the four all together i mean that is just not a good defensive lineup uh but they actually did okay in the first half they led 54 51 at halftime and we can talk more about some of their individual performances uh but overall it was just too much Kemba Walker for the Hornets he continues to sizzle he is maybe the best guy in the league now at you know you could put maybe Dame Lillard up in this category as well as a guy who can come around a screen even if the guy is kind of on his back still rise up still be on the move kind of leaning forward and shoot a three uh if the big is hanging back at all and and make it you know I mean he's hitting these kind of floating three pointers on the move which are really really impressive and walker finished with 29 points he was 12 of 22 from the field uh four out of 10 from downtown seven assists three steals uh you know and in a game like this against a team like the hawks kemba walker is easily the best player on the floor and and he is the big reason why charlotte took this one tonight something else i wanted to talk about from this game the last good backup point guard that charlotte had jeremy lynn had a nice game in his former building 19 points which led atlanta on seven to nine shooting almost all of which from two-point 
point range. Uh, he was six of six of eight from two and then one of one from three. Also got to the free throw line for four shots and played under control, looked more dynamic than we had seen earlier in this season. He's battled injuries for the last two years. And due to Atlanta's structure, they're not really going to play Lynn more unless they do some with Trey Young, which I would actually yeah. support. I think it'd be kind of fun to see those guys bounce off each other. But I, I'm really happy for Jeremy Lynn that he can do well in this role. And I don't know exactly what he wants from this season. Maybe if he wants to get bought out and have a playoff run on a, on a more competitive team, maybe Atlanta will be amenable to that. But yeah, I, I enjoy capable backup point guard play. I enjoy point guard play. I talked about this actually on Twitter yeah. during the day today that it's the easiest, it's the most important factor in terms of watchability for a team. And if you notice the ones that, that we enjoy talking about and the ones we don't, it's it's a very easy way to, to do it. You know, there are other important factors too. And backup point guard play is, is pivotal to that as well. And Lynn has really helped Atlanta. So with him and Trey Young, I, I didn't generally enjoy really watching their games. Yeah, great to see Lynn playing well because you remember he was so bad early in the season that they actually were going to lineups that had no point guard at all. They're playing Bembry at point guard. Uh, and Yeah, and giving Herter more playmaking, which I actually like. I, I've enjoyed Herter with the ball in his hands. Yeah, but Lynn, I mean, Sh- Charlotte, some of that team has turned over, obviously, since he was there, but uh, they were letting him get to his left hand pretty well. He hit a three, had a nice pull-up in the lane. He was uh, operating in pick and roll, and, you know, he's always been a very right-handed player, but he is, uh, once he gets there, and, you know, it's tough to keep a guy off of uh, the, the hand he wants to go to, at least out on the floor and at least in pick and roll situations situations uh so it was good to see him back i mean but torn patel tendon it doesn't get as much pub as achilles but there's not a long list of guys who've come back a hundred percent from torn patellar tendons that i can recall and so hopefully lynn can continue to play uh, at a reasonably good rate uh we mentioned young i mean a lot of what he's doing looks like it's stuff that you just can't really question like the vision continues to be awesome I mean, there's one play that really stood out to me where he ran a pick and roll going to his left he's been more effective going to his left lately teams have been forcing him uh off of that right hand where he's more comfortable shooting it and so the big stepped out he set up out the elbow and it didn't look like Dwayne Dedwin was open but he was being guarded by Kemba Walker but Walker was like right next to him you know usually you'll see a guy next to him you're not going to throw an alley-oop but Young was like oh that's Kemba Walker against Dwayne Dedwin I can throw this even though he's not technically open just because if these guys both run to the rim, Deadman's going to be able to get way up way higher and put this down. I mean, it was just, he threw Deadman open. I mean, he wasn't even really, I think, ahead of Walker going towards the rim when the pass was made. It was really just a, a beautiful play. I mean, he'll get these plays in semi-transition to these no looks where he finds guys open under the rim. And it's just, it's not passes that you see all the time in the NBA. I mean, these and these dimes are like, you know, to guys like right under the rim or for alley-oops. I mean, these are really value-added stuff. He had 10 assists tonight. He had a really rough start to the game at one point he was one out of five with five turnovers and he did not hit a three he was oh of seven for three uh was not getting the greatest of looks there either i mean i think him taking those are still important because it set up so much of his drive game um and i think he's just been quicker than advertised too so i'm i'm convinced already that he's going to be a solid offensive point guard at a minimum uh the question to me of whether he's going to be a star is how much is that jump shot going to really go down you know i mean there's times when it looks awesome there's other times when you know especially when he's contested especially when he's taking a a contested 30 footer that you really kind of wonder and so i mean is he going to take a crap load of shots we know he's going to do that is that going to go in at 33 percent of the time or is he going to make 37 38 Uh, we talked about that in the 15 and 60 like if it's the latter he's going to be really a dominating offensive player i think because he's looked much better as a finisher much quicker uh and the vision has in fact translated so far 
Agreed on all counts. There are three highlights from this game that I wanted to mention just briefly because I thought they were notable. So the first one is probably the least discussed, least clipped R.I.P. Vine of these, and that's Alex Poitras. So there was a play when Charlotte had an inbound with very little time left on the shot clock, and Poitras basically timed up the catch and release. I think it was from Jeremy Lamb and was able to block what was a a desperate flip in. And it was a beautiful play led to a fast break. I love it when guys understand the situation and understand that, okay, this, this guy's going to have to get the shot off quickly. So that's what I should be looking for. Then the other two were more conventional highlights. Vince Young, sorry, not Vince Young, Vince Carter, slightly older than Vince Young, getting it, getting his shoulder past Jeremy Lamb and then dunking, which was very nice. And, and then my, Miles Bridges just dunking all over Dwayne Dedman and doing Vince is motorcycle celebration which was pretty fun and that also led to some real tangible effects because there was a later play when bridges was driving and deadman just went for a charge instead of actually playing defense and that's something that happens you get a little bit gun shy when a guy dunks all over you yeah i need to enter those two dunks into our dunk of the month category here a few other notes from this one charlotte started out with what i thought was a pretty good plan they got marvin williams going and pick and pop against the aforementioned spellman who looks pretty heavy legged Uh, starting him at the four i mean they had been starting carter a little bit i think there's just some reasons to start him just to say you're starting a first round draft pick you know that was that was kind of publicized by the broadcast crew on the intro the three first rounders starting together for the first time and going a combined 0 for 12 for three-point range in this game but spellman can't defend uh, at the four although atlanta's defense still continues to be like decent enough i mean they only gave up a 105 defensive rating in this game they just continue to be like the worst offense in the league in part again due to the turnovers they turned it over on 20 percent of their possessions in this game uh her I thought his rebounding continues to be impressive. His playmaking is good. He's got some passing vision. Finishing around the rim looked good. He had one play where he swooped in from the right side, left hand, left foot, finished for a scoop layup around Nick Batum that looked really good. Uh, but defensively, he's another one, guy who just short arms, not really going to affect shooters very well and so i thought he and trey together if that's going to be their starting backcourt could be a problem in the long term on defense uh for charlotte i I thought cody zeller just uh, offensively seemed to struggle to finish through he played 27 minutes but he was not generating a a lot of times you'll see a big an indication of declining athleticism as for a pick and roll big is that his usage rate will go way down and he just isn't taking as many shots as he had been he uncorked some three-pointers earlier in the year you know that didn't really seem to be a featured aspect of his game and you know his first three shots of the game were all around the rim and he just didn't have the explosion to finish uh you got anything else on this one no i think that's about it uh, i i guess it's worth, me guess it's worth noting too that uh the hawks were six of 30 from three-point range 20 percent, and the hornets were 13 to 31 42 percent, and that was basically the difference in a 113 102 victory yeah i think that's that's a good note to to bring in there do you want me to do a very brief summary of washington dallas because i know it was not high on your radar it was the other three games you were focusing oh, please. on washington's defense sucks end of statement <laughs> I thought the quotes. That's really I all the I need to say. Were really interesting. I mean, they gave up seventy points in the first half. They trailed seventy to forty nine at halftime. Um, the quotes afterwards were they got they kind of got back into it. They got within six, and then uh, Dallas ended up winning by like fifteen. But they're like, oh yeah, you know, we just didn't try in the first half. Uh, Austin Rivers said that. Howard said that. We're like, yeah, we just came out and tried. We're doing the same scheme in the second half. We didn't change up at all. We just executed more. So yeah, uh, Fred Katz is gonna have a fun year. 
Fred Katz was going to have a fun year either way. <laughs> That's true. Fred, Fred always. Yeah, and I, and I, th- I, yeah, I think there'll be a lot. We talked about them a lot in the fifteen and sixty. I mean, that's the benefit of being a Liam team, but. And, and we might talk about them later in the week, not to spoil a segment that's coming up. But I think they will be better. It's just hard. I mean, when you're 2-8, and eight, even if the bottom of the East is bad, like, you know, the bottom of the East playoff picture is not, you know, 50 wins or something like that, you still have to actually win the games. And they're ba- they're starting. This is the beginning of a road trip for them. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. I, I'm, you know, I, I have an idea of where it's going, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah, the, their schedule is easier, though, even if it, there is more road games. Yes, uh, weaker, weaker yeah, opponents. Dallas is supposed to be one of those obviously and they just got blown out uh but yeah i mean they better write the ship here now of course they started famously two and eight two years ago and ended up winning 49 games so i don't know if they're going to turn that around though and zach Lowe wrote a long piece about them in which you know he kind of diagnosed the biggest problem as john wall kind of plateauing a little bit uh anyway he's going to be 28 when that huge contract kicks in and i fear that his best days uh, may already have been behind him let's turn to brooklyn and phoenix it was a little bit closer than the final 104 four to 82 score but not much closer the nets held a 10 point lead basically from the second quarter on phoenix got within five i think a couple of times uh big story here Karis Levert continues to play well he had 26 points on only 18 shooting possessions he really continues to just show excellent poise and patience as a driver he doesn't get sped up he's another one of these guys who really benefits from there being more spacing you know the Nets not always as we'll get to but most of the time have very good spacing on their team and so he can get in the lane he can pump fake he can step through you also have a lot more time when DeAndre Ayton is the opposing center and he's just not going to come and help even if his man is ed davis and ed davis is standing 25 feet from the basket he's still not going to come and help uh but it, i really just like the patience of levert and between he and dinwiddie these guys are starting to get as dinwiddie had another nice game is plus 20 in 30 minutes 12 points uh, on seven shooting possessions they're starting to get guys who can actually attack the rim and make something happen and make up for the spacing i mean and I, I thought the nets actually got really good shots in this game but they just were only nine out of 36 from three and those were largely pretty good three-pointers i mean dudley was one of five harris was one of six crab was one of five i mean th- these are good three-point shooters guys who've shot around 40 percent in their career so they were generating very good shots this could have been even worse of a blowout than it was for phoenix i mean and for phoenix to put up an 85 offensive rating against this nets team and they didn't even shoot poorly from three they were 36 percent from downtown and that is really really ugly one point in the game i wanted to to bring up i felt like brooklyn was going to win anyway when the fourth quarter started i mean they had a lead but but Dinwiddie put up seven points in pretty quick succession. And that really, even though Phoenix was scoring a little bit at the time too, it, it kind of helped settle the margin. And Dinwiddie is overqualified for me for that role of being like the, the bench scorer or anything like that. But he's still really good at it, even if he's even if he could be doing other things. And you brought up the Dinwiddie-Levert combination really helping them. And they were able in this game, partially because the Suns' offense, I mean, 20 turnovers were a big, a big challenge there, nine of which were live ball with steals that the Nets were able to overcome some just rough missed shots to still put a, a good win out there and, a, and an overall you know a decent offensive game I mean for m- missing almost 33s to to still put up like a 107 offensive rating is pretty good not bad there were a few nice things in this for Phoenix will try to be a little bit 
little more positive just so, some small touches where you know i think kakashka has had an effect they actually lead the nba in passes per game which has not helped them a ton so far i thought rashawn holmes played really well he's uh, now in the rotation yeah dude he brought a lot yeah. of energy yeah i mean he was negative 14 which wasn't great but he had 13 points six of seven from the field four offensive rebounds two blocks you know he was a force protecting the rim i, I thought and finished pretty well he did take one free throw line jumper which was uh not even close there's a thought that he would become more of a stretch threat early in his career in philly that really is not developed at all his jumper looks pretty ugly uh when that they, they were here last week or i think it was two weeks ago uh you know he just didn't look great shooting around before the game either uh shoots it way out in front of his face it's not a very versatile jump shot either and uh i thought that the net strategy defensively was interesting where kakashkov is having these guys do a lot of handoffs around the free throw line 20 feet from the rim and so they just had jared allen and ed davis just hang completely back and just take away any of the cutting off of those dho's by just having the guy stand under the rim and say hey you want to hand it to this guy go ahead he's going to go right into our center at the rim and so holmes was left wide open for a free throw line jumper Aiton, who's usually pretty capable from there was not hitting the jumper in this game um either in face-up situations or uh, out of those dho's so i thought that was just an interesting strategic wrinkle of how the the Nets were approaching dealing with some of Kakashkov stuff. Uh, the Suns do get a reasonable number of situations where, like a lot of teams, where they're just caught with their big defending out on the floor and pick and roll. But anytime that big made the guard shoot a jumper for the Nets, he then immediately sprinted the floor and started posting up. And the Suns really tried to push it and get it to that guy. And they drew some fouls there. They got some buckets, uh, which is that's a smart way to say, hey, all right, you want to switch? You think you got a mismatch against us? All right, well, you better make that shot because if you don't, now we're going to run the floor hard. We're going to get a mismatch against you. I like that approach, but... I think that's about all good that I can come up with for the Suns in this one, I'm afraid. An example of that one was I loved an, uh, a transition seal that Aiton got on D'Angelo Russell. Russell just had no chance and fouled Aiton pretty quickly. And I can't remember whether they were in the bonus or not, whether that yielded free throws. But it's also a great way to activate big men to actually get out there on the perimeter and, and be there to say, hey, if you actually contest this, then you can go out there and we'll try to find you. And they're going to need better guys to do the finding. And they'll get there, hopefully, eventually with time. And then the other thing we should talk about in this game is the ongoing dynamic between Mikhail Bridges and Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was barely a part of the rotation the first three quarters, did start the fourth quarter, ended up with seven minutes played. And Mikhail Bridges is a more reliable player. I believe he is a better player, and he played 28. Yeah, Bridges hit two of five from downtown. I mean, he wasn't awesome by any means. Uh, you know, he had a couple of plays where he got blown by in that sequence you talked about. Um, but, you know, I tweeted it during the first game of Summer League that it was going to be awkward when Bridges started taking Jackson's minutes. Even I didn't think it would happen this quickly. Uh, and, you know, things can change. I thought actually when Jackson was out there in the second half, he did some okay things, but then he had, he got a little big for his britches and went into traffic on a no-hoper and got blocked. But I thought he had a couple of chances where he could have pulled up for one of his signature contested twos and instead actually made nice passes off it, stayed under control. Uh, but then in his stint in the first half, it was really weird. He and Bridges were out there together and they were guarding Crab and Harris. Those two guys would screen for each other. And you'd think, oh, Crab and Harris, similar size guys. Bruce and Jackson, similar size guys. Off ball switch. 
easy you know obviously you're going to switch that and yet three possessions in a row the nets got open shots out of that action because they didn't switch and i was like are they supposed to switch that i mean you would think they would have to be right like you know so and then jackson got taken out after that i'm not sure if that was the reason or whether kakashkov just wasn't really planning on playing him that much so we'll watch that dynamic uh tj warren also really uh, has come back to earth he did not attempt a three-point in this one he was 0 for 5 he played pretty poorly you know i think the reality is set in that this is going to be uh developmental i mean and this is the sort of loss that's got to be really disheartening disheartening for the Suns. i mean their team is healthy booker is back the nets are you know team supposed to be at the bottom of the eastern conference and the suns just weren't competitive and they couldn't score against you know not a good net defense maybe we'll see where they're at at the end of the year but you know not a team that's historically been a great defense uh no that's a disheartening home loss to be sure one other thing that amused me in this game was Rondé Hollis Jefferson took some ill-advised shots. I'll, I'll I'll phrase it that way. But having Ed Davis as the other big man on the floor, he could just grab a, a bunch of those misses. And so I think a few of the, his his offensive rebounds were off of Rondé misses. And I, I just enjoy Ed Davis's commitment to grabbing offensive rebounds and battling. And you don't have to defend him outside of five feet. You just have to box him out and everything else. But I, I like having his competence on this second unit for the Nets. And, you know, Jared Allen, this was a fine game for him, not necessarily a standout for me, though he did have a couple of assists. And, you know, I, I think that he's, those to me weren't necessarily like, oh my God, he has great vision for a center or anything like that. But I, I like that I can kind of trust Brooklyn's center rotation because that has definitely not always been the case. Yeah, they, they have, I mean, they started Timofey Mozgov last year, uh, although that quickly uh, was scrapped. You know, Jamari Carroll is supposed to be back later this week. And I think that's going to be really interesting for this Nets rotation, you know, Jared Dudley is starting for them he I think gives them some spacing in theory Rondé is a younger player you would think that Rondé would have had the inside track to play ahead of him Rondé was coming back from that groin issue though and I think they've played reasonably well with Dudley out there they've also been playing some of Joe Harris at the four Dudley and Harris start together but then they'll go to lineups with Crab at the three they even played all three of the point guards or I guess Levert isn't really a point guard but Russell Levert Dinwiddie the all three of the ball handlers and those guys are all six four or over so you're not that small there although you know it's not like phoenix has a small forward who's gonna kill you the way some other teams might uh, with a little more size but i honestly think they should probably if they're trying to win games just take ronde out of the rotation and play carol at the four because whenever ronde is in there it really negatively affects their spacing like all the actions that work really well all of a sudden either he's his man is not being guarded he's standing under the rim but he's not like that type of elite finisher to go up and get an alley-oop uh or finish through guys who i had hoped he would be that player when he was drafted but he either lost athleticism or i just thought he was more athletic than he was at arizona i'm not sure uh and you know he's not doing enough defensively especially if you're going up against a phoenix where you don't have like one guy where that you need to guard with him you know i'm not sure that he's that much better defensively even than you know someone like carol if carol is healthy so i think they might actually take him out of the rotation that's what i would do uh unless he starts playing better because he really short circuits the offense and he was uh the only net who was in the negative today he played 13 minutes and i thought he earned that you know both with that one of six that you talked about but also uh, with the the lack of spacing that he provides especially because you know they don't they don't have brooke lopez anymore you know as they did earlier in his career they don't really have a stretch center anymore you know Allen will pop out to the corner every once in a while but he's usually going to be the role man and so you're just not going to be able to pick and roll when you have hollis jefferson on the floor with another traditional big the story with ronde for me is very similar to a guy we didn't talk about 
about in his game today, Michael K. Gilchrist, where if you are a non-center who teams do not have to respect as a jump shooter, you have to do so many other things well to justify regular minutes. And that can be defense, rebounding, finishing at the rim. There are lots of different ways to do it. But if not, even with the dearth of quality forwards in the league right now, you can go to maybe players who are inferior options, but take less off the table and be better for it. And I think that's part of where the the league might be going. I don't think we have enough supply to get there yet. But yeah, I was watching Rondé and thinking something pretty similar once they actually have the guys to replace him. Yeah. And then if he's going to compound it by like trying to go one-on-one, that makes it even worse because he's not that great at that. A few other notes here. The Suns don't really have anyone who can get by anybody i realized you know i mean they're running these isaiah cannon pick and rolls which just you know he's in the starting lineup still at the one i thought devin booker looked really slow in this game i mean this is not a nets team that has elite perimeter defenders and he just wasn't largely was struggling to get good shots you know he could get off get a shot off of a screen if the nets were hanging back in pick and roll but when he tried to iso and usually i feel he's able to create more space every once in a while he can get by his guy and just wasn't succeeding at that he went six out of 21 i thought he earned that with the the quality of shots that he had uh Aiden I mean I continue to actually be positively surprised by his post game now if you give it to him outside of the lane and expect him to score that's not necessarily going to work even if it's against a mismatch because he just it, it takes him too long to dribble in he, he's kind of doesn't have the greatest feel for that uh but the fact that he's been posting up pretty deep I think has been nice to see and that Kakashkov has encouraged that it was more really in the second half than the first half but when he gets the ball around the rim he's finishing very nicely uh his left hand is better than anticipated he had a nice same side up and under with the left hand you know he's even just you don't have to have like a left-handed jump hook from 10 feet from the basket but as long long as you can just finish layups around the rim and very short range hook shots around the rim that's all you need with the left hand so his touch there has been impressive didn't have the jumper working today as i said but the defense remains very bad i mean there are probably seven or eight times that i counted and i wasn't looking for this on every single possession it was just hey they got a layup how did that happen oh Eaton didn't come over uh and there are probably seven or eight of those in this game and plays where you know he just had no reason not to be helping right it's not like he was guarding a shooter at any point in time just drives would occur and he just wouldn't react or and the other thing that's been a struggle for him is making multiple efforts on a play this was most obvious on a play where alan crab got two consecutive offensive rebounds and ayton kind of went after the first rebound and then sort of tried to block the shot and then the ball went over to the other side of the rim and ayton just never reacted again you know he's kind of like he's able to summon one effort and then it's just like all right i did my job i did all i could and he just kind of floats out of the play after that uh so that's something that i think he really could improve right away the recognition stuff less so uh but you know it's just it's so hard as a coach to come up with a program to help him get better i mean i I think where you probably would want to start with him is almost get him to overhelp at this point to say hey you know what if you leave your man and give up a dunk to go block someone's shot at the rim like that's okay you know we're we're, we'll bring someone else to help you there like we want we want your instinct to be i'm going to challenge these guys and then we'll get you to tone that down you know tibbs actually kind of tried that with carl towns last year it didn't really work uh but you know i'm not really sure what a better approach is but and then other times he's going to be too aggressive and not really take the angles in pick and roll defense you know we'll see a lot of times where the guard will kind of turn the corner but not really be much of a threat yet be kind of the like you know the elbow extended a little bit and ayton will step up but he's stepping up completely into the guard's path opening up a passing window really really when you come over there you want to be in the guard's vision but it's more like hey i want you to see me 
so you know that if you do try to go all the way to the rim i can get there to stop you not i'm putting my body fully in front of you when you're that far away from the rim because then you just have the passing able to throw it right to the big for a dunk and that happened a couple of times you got to kind of stay on the axis between the ball and your initial man the roll man I like to bet on guys with a lot of physical talent to do this. I, the guy, what you were talking about being overly aggressive and helping, I was thinking about Miles Turner as being maybe somebody that you, you go in that direction. Turner's getting a lot better. He's also you relying on his size more now than he than he used to. So that's good. And Aiden, hopefully he gets to that point. Hopefully he goes beyond that point, but it is going to take some time. And so I was watching the Suns in this one and also thinking about where they'll be when they can kind of have better talent around these guys. It looks to me like they're going to have another strong draft pick this year and maybe for another year after that we'll see how long it takes for them to figure this out yeah. or, or but the, they'll they have a high going... draft pick maybe maybe would be a more yes more accurate way of saying yes it. sure 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 and and with the nets this is the type of game i mean i'm not ready to say they're like a, a, a necessarily like a but there they have a potential for making the playoffs but taking care of business against a team that you're better than on the road is a good start and so for me they're probably in the mix of ne- needing to play a little bit over their heads and also get some you know have better health than some of the teams above them but that's where this road begins and it's going to take you know it's not just being competitive and then losing like they've done a a fair portion of this year it's also getting the getting the baseline wins and then building from there yeah right now 538 projects the nets for 35 wins and a 32 percent chance of the playoffs that's not bad you know i mean i think that's better than we thought that they would be and i think you know the biggest thing probably that has been a surprise for them in the early going has been Levert uh, breaking out the way that he has well tomorrow we'll be back with the nba cast hashtag nba cast follow me on twitch twitch.tv slash nate duncan nba we'll talk a little bit more about those pacers pacers versus sixers this could be an interesting one for seeding uh um i really enjoy the pacers and the sixers because both these teams play a little bit different style than a, a lot of the teams uh, do in the league at, at this point and you know oladipo simmons and b like those are all pretty interesting players in my mind particularly Embiid going up against Sabonis and Turner is going to be a, a pretty interesting one in the post there uh, anything you need to talk about before we go I'm not sure if it's going to come out on Wednesday but I have a piece coming out for the athletic on a matter that has not yet to my knowledge been discussed that I, I find a really interesting issue that's all the tease I can give it because I don't want to get it out there yet but I'm really excited about it there, the athletic is actually putting some reporting behind it which is pretty fun so like I submitted it and now they're actually following up with somebody who you know using the amazing network of athletic writers the yeah. athletic.com I, i've been enjoying how like and, all the athletics are like you know shams and like the local guy are doing like a, doing stuff together now like that's a, they're kind of bringing all those guns to bear on a story has really helped the reporting i think well yeah and i mean the, the work that shams and john krasinski have done on the jimmy butler thing is just incredible and that's just one example of it but yeah i've been really happy with that and so getting a little bit involved in that myself has been has been really fun and that's going to continue until the piece comes out and yeah that's that's about it for right now and also we should mention that not only are we we're doing the nba cast tomorrow but we'll be doing i don't know a version of a gamer dunked on as well so we'll catch up on news and then we'll also talk about what we what we watch tomorrow night all right talk to y'all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.